and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Why do you come to church? Is it something you've always done or because you belong to Christ? Teaching team member Bob Cargo continues the series Radical Renewal with this sermon entitled The Risen Christ, which covers Acts chapter 21 verse 18 to chapter 22 verse 29. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Now for the reading of God's Word, we want to ask Jennifer to come out to read Acts 22, 1 through 8. It's not the whole passage we'll look at today, but it is the heart of that passage. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia and brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them, I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and brought them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Acts 22, 1 through 8. Something sort of new we're doing now is to ask God to illumine our hearts as we hear the preaching of his word. Read aloud with me, please, our prayer of illumination. Father, in the wilderness of our hearts, prepare the way of the Lord. Through your word and by your spirit, bring life to our barren souls. Lift up every valley, lay low every mountain, and reveal your glory in Christ. And we see it together as, as your people. In Christ's name, amen and amen. You know, it's always uh, very important, isn't it? Uh, no matter what the topic is, no matter what the issue is, to make sure that something is genuine, it's the real deal, that it is what it is supposed to be. One day, not too long ago, uh, my wife was up here teaching at Perimeter School where she teaches. I was working at home on a particularly rainy day, and I needed to touch base with her about uh, my taking care of our dog that day. She's really the dog person in our family, not me, so she knows about how to take care of these little animals. So I was letting her know that I had taken this, our dog out to do the things you take a dog out to do, and the dog was not too cooperative at the moment and to see if she had any suggestions. So I dictated the text message to send to her. Now, as you all know, anytime you dictate a text message, you need to look carefully, right? Before you hit send, okay? So I dictated, and what I said was, with my mouth, Bonnie is not interested in taking care of the matter at hand, period, but only chasing a squirrel and licking water off the deck. Well, I looked at the phone, and what the phone thought I said was, Bonnie is not interested in taking care of the matter at hand, but I'll be chasing a squirrel and licking water off the deck. (laughs) And literally, every time I've envisioned myself doing that, I've laughed out loud wherever I am. Margaret Ann texted back, you've got to stop doing that. 
Uh, the point is, are things what they're supposed to be, right? Isn't what it's supposed to be. I'm not the kind of movie buff that a lot of people in our church are. I'm sure that Caleb and, and Jimmy and Jeff are all better movie buffs than I am. But a movie that came out many years ago I really loved was called Catch Me If You Can. It starred Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. And Leonardo DiCaprio played the character, based on a true story, I think, of a young man who, while he was still either a teenager or a young adult, carried off all kinds of deceptions uh, as an airline pilot, as a doctor, the list goes on and on, all while becoming very proficient at producing counterfeit U.S. currency. And if the way this, the movie ends, which is somewhat debatable if this is truly the end of uh, his life, so to speak, is that toward the end of his life, after serving in time in prison, he lived in the Midwest and for years helped the U.S. government and banks distinguish true currency from counterfeit currency. Now, when it comes to text messages and uh, to money, <laughs> you want to make sure that what you have is genuine, right? You want to make sure it's the real deal. Well, if there's anything in the world that's most important to make sure that we're genuine about that is the real deal, it would be what? It would be our own lives, it would be our own hearts, and it would be our profession of faith in Christ. Is my profession of faith in Christ, is it real? Am I the real deal or not? And you know, Scripture has many warnings about this. In fact, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On that day, that is the day of judgment, many will say, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name and do mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, on that day, I'll say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, what kind of lawlessness did he have in mind? Well, it might be what he had warned the scribes and the Pharisees there in the New Testament about. He says, scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're good tithers. You even tithe all these little herbs and spices you grow in your backyard. Your faith will tithe all of that. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. And what would those be? Jesus said they are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What a warning. The Apostle Paul also in Corinthians said, examine yourselves to see if you're of the faith. Test yourselves. It's what we're commanded to do. And the Apostle Paul wrote to his understudy Timothy, said, Timothy, be aware that there are going to be people out there who have an appearance of godliness, but they've denied the power of it. And by that, I think he meant they have an appearance of truly having faith, but they don't have real faith. We are today in the second week of a renewed part of our sermon series in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. It's the story of the spread of the gospel beginning with the ascension of Christ when he went back up into heaven and continuing for several decades later and ends with the apostle Paul imprisoned in Rome. And the title of this whole series is called Radical Renewal. Radical renewal, and I love the graphics that our team has put together here at the church. Why? Because they've highlighted the word new. Radical renewal is about being new. The Bible says if any person is in Christ, if they're in union with Christ, if they've truly been converted, if they're really Christians, the Bible says that person will be what? 
a new creation, a new creature, a new person. That's what happens. Now, I want you to, to get the main idea of today's message. I never want you to miss it. So I want to state that main idea of, the, of my message in print here on the screen so you'll see it. And I want to state it both negatively and positively. So as a warning, here it would be stated negatively. It says, there is a great danger of being a churched and religious person who has never encountered the real Jesus. And this kind of religious person is often a reason irreligious people have little to no interest in Christ. But stated positively is a wonderful promise. Here is what it says. If encountered by the risen Christ, he will change you from the inside out, change where you are going in life, and change what you love to talk about. Would you humor me by reading it aloud with me, please? If encountered by the risen Christ, he will change you from the inside out, change where you are going in life, and change what you love to talk about. Now, the story of Paul is absolutely unique in many ways. It is very rare in other ways. But in another way, I would suggest to you what happens in the life of Paul is a framework of what happens in the life of every person who is truly a follower of Christ. We're going to look at a bigger story around what was read today for us by Jennifer. We want to look at three things that happened here in the life of Paul, three parts of his story. And I would suggest to you that those three parts of his story are three parts of the story of every person who truly is a follower of Jesus and truly knows him in a personal way. And all three of those focus on the risen Christ. Let me give you a preview of where we're going today. We're going to talk about three things. Encountering the risen Christ, following the risen Christ, and talking about the risen Christ. Encountering him, following him, and talking about him. So let's dig in. First of all, encountering the risen Christ. Here in Acts 22, when we read the story of the Apostle Paul, he is the one telling his story. He's telling it to a group of people in Jerusalem. And he's referring back to something that we first see in Acts chapter 9. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a defender of Judaism. He thought Christianity was destroying Judaism, and so he went out to imprison and to have beaten and maybe even to put to death people who were followers of Jesus. And as he was on his way to Damascus to do exactly that, he is encountered by the risen Christ, and his life is changed. Now, not many people's experiences are as dramatic as Paul's, right? He sees the risen Christ, not his face, but a bright light, he hears an audible voice, which is Jesus talking to him. And he repents and he believes and his life has changed. And Saul of Tarsus becomes the Apostle Paul. Well, my experience wasn't like that, but I did experience and encounter the risen Christ. For me, it came even as when I was a kid. Through the faithful witness of my family and of my church, I came to understand that I was a sinner that Jesus had come to live for me and to die for me and to be raised from the dead for me. So one day, I had been wrestling with these things, and I came home from school. I sat at the edge of my bed, and I simply said something like this, Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe that you died for me. Come into my life. Forgive my sins and make me what you want me to be. And at that point, I didn't see a bright light, and I didn't hear an audible voice, 
But I encountered the risen Christ, and I can remember that day clearly, even to this day. I love the story of Lee Strobel. He was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. He had a law degree from Yale, and he was an atheist. But his wife began to attend a church in Chicagoland, there in the Chicago area. She was becoming a follower of Jesus, and it made him so mad. He decided to investigate Christianity to disprove it. And so he began to dig in, especially, I think, looking at this issue of the resurrection of Christ. But the more he aimed his legal mind and his investigative skills at the claims of Christ, the more he was convinced that they were true. And he trusted Christ. He met and encountered the risen Christ, and his life was forever changed. How do you become someone who's encountered the risen Christ? It starts with understanding that Christians are not people who claim to be better than others, or shouldn't be. We are people who claim that we are sinners and we know that we are. Christianity is not about improving ourselves. It's about knowing that we need someone to, want to do the improving and the changing and the forgiving. That Jesus is God the Son who has come to live for us and die for us and be raised for us. And because of that, it's turning to him in repentance and putting our faith in him. If perhaps you have never encountered the risen Christ, I hope that today you will do that. Encountering the risen Christ. That always leads to the second main thing we're going to talk about today. Encountering the risen Christ leads to following the risen Christ. Every single time encountering him will lead to following him. There's no such thing as a Christian who's not following Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, we see the story of Jesus coming to two men who were professional fishermen, Andrew and Peter. They had heard Jesus preach before. They were not total strangers. But on that day, Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And for these two individuals, what that meant was they walked away from their business, they walked away from their nets, and they followed Jesus. They gave to him everything. And for them, that's what he demanded. There's also a story in the New Testament of a man who had great wealth. And he came to Jesus and said, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus basically said, go sell everything that you have and then follow me. Now, he didn't tell everybody that. Why did he tell this man that? He knew that for this man, his wealth was his idol. His wealth was his functional Lord and Savior. And Jesus was saying to follow me. You have to take that thing that you love the most, that thing that controls you, that thing that you're looking to to save yourself, give it over to me and yield it. Anytime we want to be followers of Jesus, he has to be Lord of all. He says, take everything in your life, give it to me with an open hand, and let me do with it as I will. That was true here for the Apostle Paul or for Saul of Tarsus as well. Now, the story that we've read here today is really part of him telling this story to a group of people in Jerusalem. But he's referring back what had happened earlier in his life, many years earlier, when he was on the way to Damascus and Saul of Tarsus was changed. He was changed from being someone who was a persecutor, changed from someone who I would say was the ultimate insider, he was an insider in Judaism, one of the great leaders of Judaism, and among those who were Hellenistic Jews. But then Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul, and he became the ultimate outsider. He was rejected 
almost on by every side. He became one who was persecuted for proclaiming the gospel. And even the Jewish followers of Jesus held him at a distance, in part because his ministry was to the Gentiles. Now, when we come to this part of the book of Acts, chapters 20 and 21, like Jimmy preached about last week, by this time, Paul has preached the gospel to Cyprus. He's gone to modern-day Turkey to preach the gospel. He's taught, gone to modern-day Greece to preach the gospel. And everywhere along the way, he has suffered some persecution and pushback. But now he has come to Jerusalem, and now he's proclaiming the gospel to Jerusalem, and there is great chaos. There is a riot that has broken out, as Jimmy described for us last week. And in the midst of that, he asks permission to speak to this rioting crowd. And when it becomes obvious that he's speaking in Hebrew, the Roman officials say, oh, you're not even who we thought you were. No, no, I'm not at all. But he asks to speak to the crowd. He begins to speak to them in Hebrew. And they began to listen very quietly. And the passage resumes here. But what I want you to notice as we start reading again is how the crowd responded to what he said. At first they were listening intently and then there was something he said that threw them into a riot again. Follow with me, Acts 22, verse nine. And Paul says, referring back to when he encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw him, that is God, or Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they'll not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And then God said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now notice, up to this word, these people listened to him. And then they raised their voices and they said, away with such a fellow from the earth, he should not be allowed even to live. Now to summarize the rest of what happens here, through some quick thinking on Paul's part and the providence of God, Paul was saved from being killed by this crowd. He was put back into prison and eventually taken to Rome. But I want you to notice what it was that threw this crowd into a, tiz into a tizzy once again. They listened quietly until he said a certain thing, and then they wanted him to be killed. Look at verses 21 and 22 again. God said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is what he says to the crowd. And up to that point, they listened. 
But then they raised their voices and basically said, this man needs to die. Now, what is going on here? What is this all about? Well, let me put it this way. For the rich young ruler, the thing that was his Lord was his money. And God demanded that he give that up. <laughs> Yield it to me. For the apostle Paul, it was his self-righteousness. The righteousness he thought he would gain through all the good things that he did. Through being a good Jew. Being the ultimate insider and a man of power. And God said, oh, to be my father, you have to hold that in your open hand and give it to me. For these Jews that were listening to Jesus proclaim the gospel, it was this. Their love of their Jewish culture and of Judaism and their hatred of Gentiles. You see, they listened patiently until they realized what he is saying is we have to love Gentiles. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, Jesus loves Gentiles and he wants us to love Gentiles. That is something I'm not willing to do. That's the context. That's what's happening here. It reminds me of a story that I heard just a few years ago about Charles Hans Spurgeon. C.H. Spurgeon was a preacher in London during the middle of the 19th century, probably the greatest preacher of his day. Some would say one of the greatest preachers who's ever lived. And his sermons were bound into books and published, and there were tens of thousands of people in Great Britain and in America who loved reading his sermons. But at one point along the way, C.H. Spurgeon became an outspoken opponent of the African slave trade. And there were a number of professing Christians, a number of churchgoers here in the southern U.S. who began to have gatherings to publicly burn his books and his sermons. And there were those who declared publicly and those who wrote him letters and said, if you ever come to America, we will kill you. We will kill you. What's going on there? There was something that God demanded of them. They had a form of godliness but denied the power of it. They professed faith in Christ, but did not truly know Christ, in my opinion. When God said to them, I'm wanting you to have a faith where you are willing to love me more than your culture and your wealth and your way of life, that's what it means to be my follower. And they said, no, I'm clinching it and I'm bringing it back. When Jesus wants to be Lord of all, he demands that we give everything to him. You see, there are two great themes in the book of Acts. One is that Jesus is Lord and salvation is found only in him. The other great theme of Acts and of the New Testament is that this good news of the gospel is for all people groups. And when we start following Jesus, we not only love him, we love each other as brothers and sisters, no matter what culture we come from. Let me ask you today, are you willing to open your hand to receive that part of the good news of the gospel? That loving Jesus means I will love every image bearer no matter what culture they're from and I will love every follower of Jesus as my dear brother and sister no matter how we're alike and no matter how we are different. He demands to be Lord of all if we're to follow him. Back in my seventh year of pastoring in-town community church, I was given a sabbatical. I really needed that sabbatical in huge ways. Partly because I'd come to a point in my life that being the pastor of that church and seeing that church be wildly successful was the idol of my life. And I can still remember as if it were only a year ago instead of decades ago, sitting in the den 
of the whole house we were renting in the Orlando area and literally opening my hand to God and saying, God, I will give you my church. I will give you my calling. I will give you my ministry. I will give you my family. I'll give you my reputation. Everything is yours. I'm not clutching anything. It all belongs to you. Encountering Jesus always leads to following Jesus. And that means having an open hand with anything and everything in your life. Every day we will fail, right? Every day we will need the cleansing, forgiving, justifying grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we have met him in truth, if we've truly encountered him, then deep down inside, our deepest desire will be this. Lord, I give it all to you. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. I am totally yours. Encountering Christ leads to following Christ. And then following Christ leads to the third point of our message today, and that is talking about the risen Christ. If you encounter the risen Christ, he'll lead you to be a follower of the risen Christ. If you're a follower of the risen Christ, you'll want to talk about the risen Christ. The apostle Paul received a call to talk about Christ. You know what? You and I have received a call to talk about the risen Christ. Yeah, the book of Acts is about the preaching of people like Peter and Paul and James and others, but it's also about average everyday people just talking about the good news of Jesus. I do not think that I have the gift of evangelism, but God has always given me a heart and a willingness to want to talk to others about Christ and to be willing to be trained in how to do this more lovingly and tactfully and winsomely. In fact, the very first sermon I ever preached many years ago was a sermon about the Samaritan woman at the well, and she had met Jesus and how she rushed back to her village to tell the whole village, I've met the Messiah and he's given me the living water. When I led my very first discipleship group when I was still in high school, I was so privileged that two of the four guys that I discipled were guys that I'd led to faith by sharing the gospel with them. One of the greatest joys in my life in the last few months has been meeting regularly for dinner with a dear friend as he has continued to investigate what it means to be saved by Christ alone and grace alone and faith alone. And nothing in the world brings more joy than this. And here's my point. This is not just for professional Christians. It's not just for pastors. This is for average everyday people like you. Let me share with you three brief stories about people that are not professional Christians, <laughs> but they love to share their faith. One is the story of a man by the name of Neil. Neil is in his 70s now. Neil is a real estate developer and investor, and he was trained many years ago how to share his faith. He's received several different ways of being trained on how, how to explain the gospel. He thinks the very best training he's ever received is what we offer here at our church called Express Your Faith. And I asked him, how many people do you think you've shared the gospel with? And he said, I have no idea how many people I've shared the gospel with. Can't keep count of it. I said, how many people do you think you've led to faith in Christ? He said, I would think somewhere around 100. That's amazing, and that's wonderful. Let me tell you about the story of a man by the name of Neil. Neil is in his 50s. He's an executive coach. He's not a pastor. He's taken several different kinds of training about evangelism, but is a big, big fan of Express Your Faith and Neil has said probably through the years he has shared the gospel with anywhere from 40 to 60 people in person about what it means to follow Christ. And about 16 to 20 of those have made a profession of faith in Christ. 
And then there's the story of a guy by the name of Jason. Jason's first training about how to share his faith was right here at our church through Express Your Faith. He's received other training as well, especially how to share his faith in a business setting. He is the CEO of a recruiting firm. I asked, how many people have you shared your faith with? He said, maybe 100. How many people have made a profession of faith? He said, at least three or four. But my point is this. God can use you to talk effectively about Jesus if you're willing to be trained and willing to be equipped. I'm not saying that our training is the only training. I'm not saying that our training is the best training for every situation. But God has used our training in the lives of many people will be offered again in October. And I'd encourage you to check it out. What are we talking about here today? What are we saying? Let's land the plane on the message. There's only one Apostle Paul. But his life illustrates this. That the kingdom of God is about radical renewal. Radical renewal is focused on the risen Christ. And is focused on encountering the risen Christ following the risen Christ, and talking about the risen Christ. Let me ask you, are you aware of this great danger? The danger of being very religious, the danger of knowing all kinds of great theology, the danger of being a good person in the eyes of others in many ways, but the danger of having never truly met the Lord Jesus. Let me ask you, are you believing this wonderful promise? That when you meet, the, and meet and encounter the risen Christ, he will change you from the inside out. He will change where you're going in life. And he will change what you'd love to talk about. I love the way our senior pastor often puts it now. I like it. He says, knowing Christ means that you'll start to do things you don't normally do. Go places you don't normally go. And talk about things you don't normally talk about. And that's good news. It's good news for the glory of Jesus, and it's good news for you and me. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that it has been by your grace, by your mercy, by your compassion that you have come to us. Oh Lord, even as I pray this, I think about the recent message of Brian Chapel here in our church about your wonderful, amazing mercy. We have been saved by your mercy. Because of that, we want to take the message of your mercy to others. And we want to live in a merciful and gracious way with every brother and sister in Christ. We want to live humbly. Oh, Lord, do your work to change our hearts and our lives. Lord, if there would be anyone hearing my voice now, either in person or by way of recording, who has not trusted you, I pray that right now they would say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I know I've rebelled against you. Thank you for living for me, for dying for me, for being raised for me. I trust in you. And Lord, for those of us who have trusted in you, may we afresh and anew today open up our clenched fists. May we hold everything in our lives with an open hand. Lord, you are Lord of all. Every relationship, every habit, every belief, every attitude, every possession, it is all yours. We want to follow you wholeheartedly. And Lord, loose our tongues. Make us willing and eager to talk about the risen Christ that others would know the mercy we've received. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.